for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Eggley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, hey, buddy. I'm good, Ryan. How you doing today? I am doing okay, my friend. It's good to talk to you. And today, we are talking about Seminar 2. We're continuing our uh, jaunt. I don't know. This Maybe jaunt sounds quick. I mean, this journey... Journey, journey sounds long. It's a journey, a trek. Yeah. Like it, it's at least a five-year journey. Just at least <laughs> like okay. on Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna, or perhaps a three a three-hour tour, uh, as in Gilligan's Island. Right. Uh, that will right. Go Which on lasted from, their lifetimes. It lasted their lifetime. I think and, did the last one die? I think uh, Marianne just died. Oh. I think that was maybe Ginger's still alive. So. And did they ever get off the island? I don't remember. I, I think they kept. I think in this, these sequels, they would get off, and then they'd find themselves trapped back on in some. That's, way, so. that's great. That's that, you know what? Um, I'm glad it's that's an era. So what is it? The the great TV studies term for that? I don't know if you know this. They call the, those uh, amnesia shows. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, there, there are much, much, much fewer uh, of those uh, uh, today. Although I do kind of think total tan, tangent, tangential point that um, uh, the influence of the like Marvel Cinematic Universe and the all all these like long running like uh, film series that you have now, just like you know Fast and the Furious or just like um, I don't know, I don't know, even something like Jumanji. They're kind of they're not am, they're not amnesia movies. They do acknowledge that something happened before, but they have to be written in such a way that they can appeal to a huge audience who's never seen any of them before. Right. So, so both people that have seen and both people that haven't seen. Exactly. So what happens is that, uh, you know, TV, TV. It's like it's this thing. I think I've said this on the this podcast before, but like. TV shows like you have all these all these uh, these showrunners being like, well, we really think of our shows like a ten hour movie, and I just like want them to stop doing that. But um, so TV like people who make TV think they're making very very long films, and I think people who are making films think they're actually making TV shows now. Like they're, like kind of this like amnesia idea. It's now like where 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 in the sixties and seventies, like my God, anyone working in Hollywood would have thought if we do something like that, you'll know we we've failed because there was this, of course, this like divide cost. between yeah. television, and, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, you, like a phrase like a TV actor. That's just like not a phrase anymore. No one would ever right. say that about someone. Uh, Thanks you know. to Clooney, right? I think Clooney because he yeah because he he went from TV to film and as a thing that like you know David Caruso tried to do that and he kind of ruined his career for a while um, from NYPD Blue. And, uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, so TV, so you got TV, uh, movies are TV and TV are movies. That's what's happening now. So, um, to talk about, uh, to make a, a a hard transition, but to move from the symbolic space of film and television to the symbolic reality, we're going to talk about, um, seminar two, which is like, uh, the Lacan, um, one of the announced points of the, the seminar, he continues, um, a, a lot of what he develops in the first seminar, which is to push back against ego psychology and the two body psychology problem. And, uh, in this seminar, he talks a lot about the symbolic. We're going to talk a little bit about it because we had a whole, uh, podcast dedicated to the symbolic not that long ago. So we don't want to go over too much, uh, of that same territory. Um, but there's some really great lines, uh, in this seminar. We're going to try to give page numbers to the, uh, Norton English edition. Yeah. yeah English yeah. edition that just does my freaking head in because of the cover is different from every that other. Bothers you, huh? It yeah. really kills me. I just don't understand how it's been reprinted in the, in the, it's because you know what, you know what it is Todd? If it was, if it was seminar one that looked like this and then two and three, I, I, I it would make sense to me. Cause it's like, Oh, but you don't like the, 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 the asymmetry of having seminar two. 
No, it's nonsensical. Like yeah. I don't. It's yeah. it's it's. Crazy. You know, I, don't you think there's an argument that this is the clearest seminar that Lacan uh, gave? Like I think there's an yeah. argument for saying, and and so maybe I mean this isn't why they have it exceptionally uncovered, but I <laughs> no, mean this is an argument for it as a real exception, right? Like it yeah. it does. It seems to me like as I was reading back over it and through it, I it seems to me like if I was going to say to someone. If someone said to me, what's the easiest Lacan to, to deal with? I would probably give them this. And I, I mean, I don't think it's all that misleading for his later thought. I mean, it is in certain ways, but mm-hmm. I think you can kind of get the basic gist. So I think there's an argument to be made that if someone says to you, what should I, if I can only read one thing by Lacan, maybe it's this thing. Wow. That's crazy. Um, I, um, that's really great because I sometimes I get asked that and I think I always tell people seminar eleven. I think that's yeah, I usually do too. But I, I think I just as I was looking back through it, I I just felt like it really. I mean, the only thing is it kind of gets bogged down in the critique of like so many of the acrete, the critique of ego psychology, e, e, like the critique yeah. of the ego, the critique of ego psychology, and, and even the critique of object relations psychology, right? Yeah. Like, so, or object relations psychoanalysis. So, so all those. I mean, it's much more in dialogue with other things mm. than the later than seminar eleven or seminar seven are. So that I think that's a reason not to not to choose it. Maybe. All right. Well, I, I I'm going to say this. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push very very slightly on 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 your point. And I'm going to say I think if you know what you're reading for, I think this might be the the best one to go back okay. and reread. I think that's okay. that's what I might say because oh, as a one to return to, that's a yeah. that, I like that way of thinking about it that it, that it does reward coming back to it. Like I've I think I've reread the whole thing, I don't know four or five times, uh, and and I think that's right. Like it really is a it's a seminar that has a lot of nuggets and riches yeah. that you can you find that you didn't you maybe missed the first time. Yeah, just like uh, Gilligan's Island. Okay, so we sewed that up. So okay. um the <laughs> so. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the symbolic, so we're going to start with that, but, um, probably to, to, for the bulk of the, the episode, what, um, uh, two things there, uh, Lacan talks about, uh, death drive in a really interesting way in this. He, um, it's a little, oh, I don't want to say coded. I mean, like, it's clear he's talking about death drive, but it's, um, he, he sometimes uses the phrase primary masochism or like, it's, it's very clear when he talks about beyond the pleasure principle a lot. So it's like it's clear he's talking about drive, even if he doesn't use that word specifically in certain sentences. So we're going to get at that a little bit um, because this, I, I, I think we want to articulate that at least in the extant um, seminars and, and, and writings like this begins like his take on, on drive, uh, which is, which changes uh probably two more times at least once, two more times right yeah once right. in seminar seven and then in seminar 11 and we'll talk about right. that that change too um but a, a, the probably the biggest thing from this and certainly the most relevant to my work um is this uh, big section about two-thirds of the way through the seminar uh where lacan talks about edgar Allan poe's uh Perlain letter uh edgar Allan poe of course is the first theorist of american television uh, a, a, in this essay, uh, philosophy of composition, where he talks about, uh, brevity and totality. And obviously he existed about a hundred years before TV did, but, uh, or wrote that about a hundred years before TV had the first broadcast in like 1934 or something. 34. No, much earlier than that. I think, well, it doesn't matter. Um, or is that right? 
I can't remember. There's a thing there, like it, like the first TV broadcast is uh, I think in Schenectady, New York. Did you know that? Wow, time? I had no idea. About that. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I maybe it is. Maybe it is 34. So, um, but either way, um, he talks a lot about Poe and Pearl and Letter, and actually he talks about other things in Poe, like throughout like the back end of that of the seminar. And his take here. Um, he develops a, like it's a theory of the signifier. And then also he uh, is giving a, a theory of seriality that becomes pretty big for Deleuze and for Derrida. So we're gonna talk a little bit about this as well. Uh, this yep. kind of a public it's, it's sometimes there's a, there's a, a, a collected edition called the Purloin Poe, um, which I think is uh, one of these things that as a, like as a collection of like uh, of, of of theory it kind of makes something makes more of something than it really was in in reality because right. it, like it right. looks because if you if you pick up the book it looks like oh lacan said this thing and then derrida said this thing and then like lacan must have responded like and then derrida must and it's like lacan said something derrida said something there's oblique references later in seminars <laughs> to that derrida did this thing and then there are other people talking about it so it's not as much of a public yeah. dialogue. Do you think that book should maybe be, I don't know, committed to the flames? Um, no, I mean, like the, the book, oh, interesting. The okay. book is pretty, it's kind of funny because the, the, um, well, I think I know why you would say that, but the, um, I would say it just because the, and you and I have both said this, that the, a Cree version of the seminar on the purloined letter is so much worse than the version in seminar two. Yeah. That it's a true. real, it's like a, it's a self slander on Lacan's part. And it makes, it makes, mm-hmm. it makes Derrida's response seem, I don't know, more convincing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that. it, so, it yeah. cuts out and it's, it is true that what gets excised in the Pearl and Poe is what I think the most important po- part of what he talks about, which is the, uh, in seminar two, it's under the, um, the lecture that, um, Miller titles, uh, odds and evens. Um, and there's a he reproduces this argument in the Acre and like the postscript to Pearline Letter. And it's like it's just it's very hard to read. He's like more elusive than he has to be uh, to, to talk about the point. And I think it's like uh, it's it's a I think it's an excellent point that uh, again that we'll get to. Sorry for the deferral um, about uh, how basically about how like, um, well, no, I'll just say it plainly here that like the, what he gets into, we're talking about this game of odds and evens. And I think we referenced it before is how, um, an internal order arises from chance. And so this is like this, this really, really great point in the, in, in the seminar. And it's consistent with how he's looking at the symbolic universe that it's not like a preordained structure, uh, that is applied to something, but it is, uh, something that arrives, um, you know, impossibly organically out of just the chance relation between a series that develops. So that's, that's his sort of big thing there, which we'll talk a little bit about later, but, um, to start us off, Todd, uh, where is he at with the symbolic here? Because as we talked about the early Lacan is very much, uh, interested in like imaginary symbolic and, uh, teasing out the relation between these two orders. So where is, where does he position himself in the field? in this seminar. Well, I think he's totally on the side of the symbolic in this seminar, right? Like mm-hmm. that's his, I think in a certain way, that's what he's trying to do is to say, there are these other theorists. So object relations theorists, ego psychologists, and 
Saussure, who have in, in different ways made the imaginary their point of departure. And what mm-hmm. he wants to do is show how those imaginary relations are always hooked in some way on the symbolic. So I think, to, to me, this seminar is a, like, it even starts with the imaginary. So it starts with the way in which the ego is an imagine, which is a point, of course, from the mirror stage that he repeats all the time. Although I will say, and we've quoted this line before, that this is the seminar where he says, the mirror stage is not a magic word, it's already a bit dated. So that does <laughs> right. appear here. But this notion of the ego as imaginary is really, it's drummed in in the beginning. And, and he quotes this, this Rambo line, uh, je et an autre, je, I am, or I are another, or something like that, or I is mm-hmm. another. Um, so, uh, was that so in that, Rambo First Blood Part 2? Part 2, that? right. Okay, right. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, or to Rambo, right. So, yes, of sorry, course. That, yeah. My French was so bad, it sounded like <laughs> Rambo. Um, that so the, so the so the 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 idea that the 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 ego relation is d- itself out of joint like that's how the su- the subject is even out of joint in relation to its own ego but mm-hmm. that's not that's still not really capturing the, the the real way in which the subject is alienated in the signifier and in the symbolic so that's mm-hmm. to me I think the the traject- the fact that the seminar begins with imaginary and ego is not coincidental, and then it moves toward this symbolic destiny. Just like, you know, he still has this notion here of full speech that mm-hmm. that what psychoanalysis does, and this is a notion he'll abandon relatively quickly. I think almost by the next the next seminar that mm-hmm. that what psychoanalysis does is takes the subject from empty speech to to full speech, and empty speech would be ego speech mm-hmm. and full speech is the speech of the subject and the subjects identified with the symbolic circuit. So I think, I mean, it's interesting how he th- sees that as the trajectory of psychoanalysis here, this move from, I'm going to take you from imaginary to symbolic. That's what, and even at the, on the last pages, he even says, this is what analysis just does. So this is really interesting. Um, and I, I think it's important to, to tease out why? Because it's not, it's, it's, this is, uh, like, and there's a, there's a, there's another, um, <laughs> bigger to, uh, to not exactly pun, but kind of pun, uh, shift where, where how he thinks about the big other in this, uh, yeah. seminar and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and in relation, like, so that's, that's a, that's a huge, huge shift. So what I want to, um, talk about with just the, the one that you just mentioned about moving from empty speech to full speech is it's not. I think this is so, so crucial. It's the, it's the development of an idea. It's not a new idea that he moves to. So right. uh, just because I, I think, okay, so um, why he will move away from empty to full speech, he'll almost, I, I mean, would you, I'm going to give this statement. I want to know if you'll agree with this. Okay. He'll, he'll move to the idea that actually what you want not only like like you want empty speech you and right. you want you right. want I see why like, you like, say that yeah yeah like yeah. like n- not again not uh not articulated in the same way that he articulates it here but like you want the um so we talked about i, I guess I'll, I'll make this example uh we talked about in the mishearing episode someone had like a a, a, a comment on this uh i think on on soundcloud that that i responded to um in the mishearing episode, we talked like you asked me if I thought if mis- mishearings always had 
something like that cigar is never just cigar. Right. And I said, yes. And I think that, I think Lacan thinks this too, that cigar is never just cigar. But I think what you, what you have, and I, I wonder what you think about this relation is that you have this dynamic between basically like uh, small R and big R revelation in speech, because the, 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 the this idea of, of sometimes a cigar is, is just a cigar, like, like is like, sometimes it's, it's meaningless. And I think where Lacan, like this kind of sounds a little bit like moving from empty to full speech is we want to move from meaningless to meaningful speech. But I think that it's in, it's in that which you think is meaningless, that which you think to be empty. That's where the big R revelation lies. Like, what do you right? Yeah. But I, yeah, I think you're right about that, but he kind of thinks that here. Right. Like, okay. because the way and it's about the re- relationship between signifier and signified. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's so. So if you're thinking in turn and this will come to his when we come to the reading of the Purloin letter, he'll say, like, everybody's read this only in terms of the signified, mm-hmm. never in terms of the signifier. And that's what he's going to bring to it. Right. So that's important. But but I think if you think of it in terms of this, the, like for him, the signified is what you mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's your and, and that's imaginary. So right. so I think I think he almost is already saying what you're saying, that that mm-hmm. it's in this it's in the, the act of speaking itself, that what the subject is doing, mm-hmm. not what the ego means. Got it. Got so it, got it. so I think and, and, and that's where we find our one symbolic destiny. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we so that's what psychoanalysis is trying to clue you into what you're saying beyond what you mean. I mean, that's all that's class. I mean, it's classic about the, the slip, right? Like the slip yeah. is what you say beyond what you signify beyond what you mean. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you, you make the slip and then you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I meant, and, mm-hmm. and you're not lying. You really didn't mean to say something, mm-hmm. but meaning is imaginary. And, and, and he's he- interested here in what's symbolic beneath it. And, but it's just different because later he would say, it's the real that's interrupting the symbolic mm. structure, right? And he just mm-hmm. is not saying that yet. And no, I think no. yeah. real, real is almost reality here. It yeah. really is. Cl- yeah. At times, it is reality. Yeah, we. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit in the Seminar 1 um, episode that, like, and, and he, I mean, there are just lines, there are just lines in Seminar 1 where it's, like, pretty, it's pretty straight, the relation between real and reality, because what he, as, what he's holding on to, I mean, this is why, the you know the the topics that of these seminars are not random like the, the the it's not a it's not a surprise that the third one has to do with uh, psychoses and psychosis because he, his notion of the real has been reality and how do you like maintain that is like you have this this idea that well the position of the psychotic is a denial of reality so he has that that's this this relation and then he has to change that because it, it's not it's not really it's not tenable uh, right to, right, to, right. To, you know to because it's kind of like saying it's it's more it's more or less making this argument of like, like well there's an objective reality and I, I think he doesn't I think he doesn't mean that but I think he recognizes that's a reading of what he's saying well, well right because both things are at work I think I mean I think at times real is reality then at other times it's a stumbling block of the symbolic right like the, yeah. I think both things are at work What's, what I found really interesting was, so he talks about 
the way in which education can focus on, can be imaginary, right? And mm. he's talking about the meno and, and the way Socrates instructs the, or like a, shows that this knowledge already exists in the slave. And his point is it works up to the point where you have to make this symbolic calculation of the square root of two, you know? And, and mm. do you remember this? And, and his point is that that irrational number is it breaks the imaginary. And it, yeah. I, what I find fascinating is that's exactly the way later he'll talk about the relationship between symbolic and real, right? Like it's the yeah. square root of negative one that has no place in the symbolic that then shows us the real. So it's in both cases, the square root function is the thing that first <laughs> takes us from imaginary to symbolic and then from symbolic, symbolic to, real. to real. Yeah. yeah. That's no, it's super. I mean, like the seeds of it are here. It's very, that's, that's why I think that like my, my claim that like, if you know what you're reading for, like, I think this is a very rewarding, uh, seminar to, to read because you can, you can see it. And like, there are just, um, we were going over this before the, before the podcast, uh, started, like there are just some incredible lines, like Great in different lines. places. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I, uh, do we want to, do we want to jump to some of, I don't know if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Go it. ahead. Read it. Read some. Um, so let me see here. Where are the, uh, so, um, this, uh, okay. So to, to, to make this argue, uh, like little leap, I'm going to read some lines, uh, just for anyone following along at home, uh, 232, 233 in the, um, Norton edition with the uh, terrible cover that Todd tried to, Redeem, and you know what? You just about convinced me uh, on, on that one. Uh, the, so there are, there are lines here where that are going to um, anticipate later uh, Lacan on uh, on drive and drive's relation uh, to the real, but it's not. Uh, I mean, just it's it's not in. It's just not in the line, literally. But the idea is like is clearly here, and where just. To, to make this not like such a like a hard jump in our like in our discourse right now um, at this point uh, it seems that Lacan is con- he th- conceives of um, the beyond of the pleasure principle uh, death drive as uh, structuring of the symbolic and that's this first um, articulation of drive right like that's right, that's right. that's where he's at with this right, right. in seminar seven, uh, death drive is more a move toward symbolic suicide. So it's, it does not structure the symbolic. It right. no, very it's, much it's, does the opposite. Right. It take like, I think in seminar seven, what Antigone does is she goes into the, this, he calls it ate, like the zone between two deaths and it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and that limit, position and it, 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 it's like just like you said I think she undergoes a symbolic suicide or symbolic death I think that's mm-hmm. the idea there absolutely so yeah so that's and that's a that's a shift like that's a definite shift in, in take and shift in position in the drive and then in 11 uh, drive becomes the real of, of repetition and right. it kind of st- stays that way for for a while for the rest of the time. The, that he that he lectures and you yeah you said this a repetition that, triggered by the real right like it's yeah. the, that mm-hmm. that stumbles over the real so it's so that's the difference between the repetition I think in seminar two mm-hmm. and the repetition because there is repetition in seminar two but it's the repetition of the symbolic structure right right and so and that's different from I think the repetition in seminar eleven 
Uh, and this was the thing you said to me. I, I, I'd like to have you like tease this out. Is that it seems as though I think because of uh, maybe because of Seminar Eleven, because of how like the and because of um, you know people like Zizek uh, talking about the real and drive. It seems like Lacan talks about it more than he really does. But like that, like that's that's kind of it. Like the references after Eleven are, are less. Yeah. yeah, they're not that. They're not that. You know, there's a whole section in Seven on Death Drive, right? Mm-hmm. And then. In eleven, there's a whole, there's a whole section of. I mean, it's Malaire's ter- wording, right? Like he he groups a whole. Right. But but Lacan himself says there are four fundamental constants of psychoanalysis. <laughs> one's one's tree, right? One is yeah. drive. So mm-hmm. so that that's that. And then after that, it's you know there. Are, it's not like the word disappears, right? But there's there's not a full theorization of it because I think for a couple reasons. Like he gets so in seventeen, obviously he gets hooked up on the idea of the, the these discourses, right? And mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. that kind of governs his way of thinking. And then he gets into the the lack of the sexual relationship. That starts around 18 and then that goes, you know, that kind of goes on until the end. And and that's really his main concern. And then and, you know and the idea of the Santome, then you're kind of mm-hmm. out of the that you're not I think when once you've theorized Santome, your the drive is no longer really important because what you're 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 thinking you, he even says like we're we're like these separate islands of jouissance and like okay there's a there's a drive at work in each of those separate islands mm-hmm. but it's less like i think it's less tied to the overall symbolic structure so it's more like you know you know like i don't i mean he would say i think enjoy your like in the your enjoyment of your santome is in some way drive, but I don't think that that... that it's not literally think, there? Well, I think it, it might be literally there, and then someone will maybe uh, email me and say I'm a total idiot because I should have... <laughs> <laughs> it's right there evident. But I, don't, I just don't think it's stressed in the same way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it is in these earlier instances. I think, you know, somewhat into a lot in seven and then a whole lot in 11. And then that's basically it. But your point is right. Like Slavoj spends so much time developing the idea of drive that, and, and, and it's relation to the real that you, you, when you go back to Lacan, you see you, if you have that in mind, you, you kind of think that that's there in Lacan, but it's not. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting to, to see the ideas develop and then to see what, like, I don't know what drops out or what becomes something else. Like, and, and I think it's important uh, well, there's a there's a, there's a there's a tendency, of course, uh, that just seems. I, I mean, this is this is I think why he articulates a quilting point one time and then never one again. Time. But like, um, there is a tendency to think like, oh, the like the final like the last word is the final word, right? So like where where he ends at like twenty three or you know uh, Santome. Uh, like that's that's kind of the final word. Like that's right. like that's where all of this was was going. But it's you know I, I think it's you know when we talk about when we talk about seminar three, we're, we'll talk about quilt. I mean, it may just be necessary to talk about the two things separately. Like to talk about quilting point and then to have a, a episode separate on that and then an episode on uh, on on the seminar three um, by by itself because like the idea I think of quilting point we talked about it before is is you know like this. Uh, you know, the way he talks about it as the, uh, a button on an upholstered chair that prevents right. 
the batting is what you call in, in, in an upholstered chair, the batting from coming out, which is just this, this point, this, this, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say end point. Cause it's what I'm trying to, to, to well, it's a guess. punctuation mark. I think thank you very much. What, yeah. A, yeah. Punctuation that arrests the sliding of signification. And this is going to be actually huge for us when we talk about proline letter. Um, cause that, like that, I think those, those two right, ideas are, right. are very, very, very uh, close together. And I think it's the thing that, um, Derrida and his response, uh, misses, uh, about what Lacan is talking about. But I mean, I, he, he I think he said that he, he read the Acree and I mean, like, you know, quilting points, not in there. He only talks, Lacan talks about it one time. It's like the key, the key piece of evidence, like Lacan's own per- purloin letter that, 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 that makes, that quilts the entire thing, uh, was missing from what Derrida responded to. So maybe it's right. a little bit unfair, but, right. um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that I think there's this tendency to think that like the final, like the, the last word is the final word is the thing that makes everything kind of make sense. But it, you, I think you do have to kind of go, you, 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 you kind of, uh, I don't want to say like quilt your own Lacan, but like you have to find these points of emphasis to see where the most of what he's talking about, like kind of rises up and the conversations change. And it may, again, it may seem like reading him teleologically like gets you somewhere, but it, it doesn't necessarily. Um, and, and just, you know, I, I I don't know. I think I, I, I agree with you that like the, the later things do not override previous things. I think that's like a weird way to read him. Even if his ideas shift, it's, it's more generative and interesting to go back to something like this and be like, well, okay. So he says it differently later, but the idea is still here. And I think that's what you get in this seminar, uh, as it relates to drive. Whereas I think, um, later stuff, um, well, you're talking about, um, uh, Santom as kind of overriding a little bit. I think the, that's like, right. Yeah. yeah. You think so? Yeah. So I think that's right. That's a separate idea that, that, uh, yeah. That, and so I think you I think your point is right. Like for him, it could override, but that doesn't yeah. mean he's right yeah. to have it override, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah, you could yeah, be right, wrong. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you know, like, I mean, if you, if you look for instance, in this, some questions with the teacher, it's utterly clear. He has this little debate with Pontalise that, it's utterly clear that he's confused between what re- between real and reality. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah, yeah, yeah. Pontelis says oh, you've said a lot about symbolic and imaginary, but not about the real. And then and then Lacan just it goes back and forth between real and reality without without any com- compunction. You know, so mm-hmm. so I I don't know. So I think that I think I, I don't think you can say uh, okay. I th- I just totally agree with your point that like maybe here he's got it right and then he gets it wrong later, later. or vice versa. Right. Like I don't, cause think... he's just, cause he thought about it a lot. Like, to, like, you know, there's a point it's like, like there's too much, there's this really great, there's a great moment in this, um, Ishiguro book that I don't know that anyone reads called the, the unconsoled. Um, and where this guy is, it's like very surrealist. Um, and in some, some ways like frustrating novel, but it's like one of my favorites by him. And he, and this guy is watching, someone who may or may not be his child. He's not really sure. Like, like, um, like do make like a painting and it's perfect at this moment. It's perfect. And he can see this person. Let's just pretend it is his child. Have this moment of indecision of putting more in the painting. And he knows he's watching them do this. He knows it's going to ruin it. If they do one more thing to it, it's just going to destroy the entire thing. And he could say something, but he doesn't. 
and then the entire painting is ruined and the child keeps trying to fix what they did and it's just like it all falls apart. And then this woman, who may or may not be his wife, watches him, like, announces her presence as having seen him do this and says, that's the worst thing you've ever done. Like, I, that's unforgivable. Like, I saw you not do that. So anyway, right, right, um, right. maybe we're in the position of uh, this guy's possible wife. Uh, <laughs> like, like, Lacan, like, pushing, like, a little bit too far. And we're, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but that's, I, I think that that happens when, you know, you... You, you you lecture in these ways you're, you're trying to push this like you you know you you think the, the 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 theory is so important and you're trying to push it and then like you know you get uh you move toward different ideas and they require different solutions so i mean like i think right right one of the one of the things that we're gonna get to is that like like i don't know eventually on this three-hour tour um of of the years that it's gonna take for us to, to move through the seminars is that um uh, there's something that Rick Boothby said when we talked to him about uh, Das Ding is that like the there is a you know Rick certainly seems to think there's a huge movement between the Lacan of the triadic real symbolic imaginary and the Lacan of the quadratic of the four discourses and so from 17 onward then it perhaps requires different solutions and that's why he would have this notion of uh, Santome, which we keep saying uh, it's spelled like Synthome and it's Seminar 23. It's on Joyce. And um, I know we've said it before in the in earlier podcasts, but just uh, Lacan postulates a, a notion of, sim- of, a, of a symptom that is so intrinsic to the subject that to like to treat it. To, to to in any way try to mediate or remove it would be nothing less than the entire subjective destruction of of, of a person of a subject right, right right so so that and that seems to and so what you know what you're arguing here is that like you know uh, the way that he talks about um, Santom conflicts with how he's talking about real right like that's I've had your point. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The, I, I think it. It. Well, I mean, it's 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 a kind of a it's a kind of a it's a it's a psychotic vision of society almost, right? <laughs> like like it because it mm-hmm. it imagines that that there's no longer. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a notion. It, he no longer has a, a paternal metaphor. There's no longer mm-hmm. a master signifier, right? So. In Santom, right? Once you have Santom, right? To that that kind of that that groups everyone together. So there's not that. There's certainly not a quilting point because there's mm-hmm. no there's no social symbolic structure at all that that is is shared. So it seems like I, I guess for me like that that he's already on the side of post truth when he gets to that <laughs> that point. So I, I felt like that I feel like that's a like I don't see those later seminars as developing the theory, but but as a regression, I guess for me those are mm. so. Ooh, that'll be spicy to get into those. So, so uh, yeah. So, but but we're. I'll I think be a lot of people we get to those. But well, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so my replacement will have fun talking about seminar twenty three. But I, I I would say that, you know, I think this. Don't you think? And you, you we're starting to talk about these. Like, so there's so many great formulations in this seminar, and I I almost think this is. I know he didn't write it. He, 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 I mean, he wrote out what he was going to say, but, but he, it, it wasn't, it was written to be said, but I think it's some of his best writing. Like this is on in that. And I think the best section has to be the, 
this section, Desire, Life, and Death, that, yeah, that, that part. That, that's, again, Malaire's name for it. But um, he says, this, this is on 223 in the English version, he says, Desire, a function central to all human experience, is the desire for nothing nameable. And at the same time, this desire lies at the origin of every variety of animation. If being were only what it is, there wouldn't even be the room to talk about it. Yeah. Being comes into existence as an exact function of this lack. I mean, I, you know, like there's so much about lack here that it's just, it's just, it's so great. I think that it's really, and, and that, I, I think that that what he formulates there never changes like that, that way that he says desires, desire for nothing nameable and desire is this lack in being. I think that that's just, that's something that's, that's a real, yeah, yeah, it's just a constant for him. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you've said this, uh, either to me, cause as the more that we do this, um, our regular conversing life in the podcast just kind of fused together. So it's impossible to know right. what you said to me when <laughs> about what, um, but that w- one of the things that I, that I think um, is a not in psychoanalytic circles, certainly, but just like in other, in, in other circles is that like people get hung up on this idea, like, Oh, if there's a, if there's an object, ah, if there's an object a, or if there's a thing, if there's a dust thing, then it like, what is it? Like it has to, right, it has to right, literally right, be a right, thing. Right. And it's very, very like, I mean, it's very, very clear that like, you know, this is, I think this is, this is a great line, right? 223. If being were only what is, there wouldn't even be room to talk about it. Right. And it's just right. like, if there really was an object, if there really was a thing, you couldn't talk about it. Like that, that's the, that's the idea. Like, right. You, you yeah. It, it's such a great idea. I think I agree with you. Like that, that, that the, 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 if there was something that was lost, yes, then there would be no speaking whatsoever, right? <laughs> right? That speaking actually emerges through this loss of nothing, and then that is the thing that that kickstarts desire, right? Right. Like well, be, well, because yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole. You have to pu- you push the idea to the end. If there's a lost object and you find it, why do you do anything else? Right. <laughs> like, why right. would why why would anything else? Ex- you know, like right. like it's just yeah, it's, it's exactly it, true. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like um. It's like, um, you know, there's a really, uh, okay. So, you know, uh, I, I, I think I have been in the room or when people have told you that you should see Shaun of the dead and I know you've never seen it. Um, but, the, uh, Edgar Wright has a trilogy of movies that sometimes referred to as the three flavors, right. uh, film because he, I know of a, them, I, you uh, know of them. Okay. Of so, them, yeah. uh, here's, uh, if you want to, to, to watch a film about the lost object, so the, here, and the lesson is, uh, you should watch the world's end because what the, uh, what the film, the, the, the film becomes about, it, it very much begins with a, like a MacGuffin type uh, premise, but the, um, about like going like these like friends going back to this town and like the, they, they have to drink at every pub and they have to, they, they end at the world's end, like to have the final drink, which they, they never did. They never completed this run in one night or whatever of having, of having, having a, a, this, this, this entire night um, of, of drinking. And this, the film eventually ends where like, it, you know, there's this like sci-fi, like, like fantasy premise, like, like all these people have been replaced. It's like alien te- technology. It's, it's fantastic. Even if you know that going in, like it's, it's great how the film develops and it's very right. funny, right. a lot of fun. And what it does is the, these like um, controlling beings offer Simon Pegg's character, the drink that he's been 
pining after the entire time that he's made out to be, this is his, this is almost literally the line is like, this is his lost object. He never did this thing. If he did this thing, everything would make sense. And he refuses it. And in kind of the, after the events play out in the, the movie, he even stops drinking entirely. And it's a great film about how the lost object needs to be lost. Right, right for right. desire to, to to even exist and I think a lot of times you get like um you know uh what would be a, 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 I mean the the ring of power in, in in the Lord of the Rings like you like there is a literal lost object and as long right. if it's found it can be used in such a way that it can fix things and like that's very much the opposite of the psychoanalytic log- logic the psychoanalytic logic that's how you make a bad movie yeah that's <laughs> 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 right lost Sorry. object yeah. lost yeah. object must be lost and yeah uh, yeah i mean i yeah. and i i i think too that the other just uh, before we get to the main the meat of the thing which is the the odds and even game in the prolonged mm-hmm. letter i i did want to talk about the cuz the Irma's injection dream lacan gives two oh yeah he does whole sessions to it right and mm-hmm. and what he says is pretty is pretty good and so his, and and what's interesting is i've always remembered this as his description of an encounter with the real, right? So Freud mm-hmm. looks down Irma's throat and then Lacan says this is the bottom of 145. He says, or 154, sorry. Um, there's a horrendous discovery here, that of the flesh one never sees, the foundation of things, the other side of the head, of the face, the secret, the secretory glands par excellence, the flesh from which everything exudes. And then the final revelation, top of the next page, of you are this, you are this from which which is so far from you, which is the ultimate formlessness. So, mm. and then he, he has this great line. He says, here, Eric Erickson makes an ob- observation, which I must admit is excellent. Normally a dream <laughs> which leads to that should cause one to awaken. Why doesn't Freud awaken? Because he's a tough customer. So I <laughs> I just, I love that little, little discussion because Erickson, he usually, Lacan usually hates him. And he, this is kind of a nice... <laughs> observation but but it's interesting right because it is an encounter with the real but then lacan's point here is uh this is at uh, 159 what what gives this dream the Irma's injection dream it's veritable unconscious value whatever its primordial and infantile echoes is the quest for the word the direct confrontation with the secret reality dream the quest for signification as such so isn't that fascinating mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that this encounter with the horror Real and then Freud immediately comes up with this formula for tri. What I forget what the do you remember the actual term? It's it's, it's trimethylene or something like. Oh, it's a really yeah, long yeah yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so so like for for Lacan here, it's the symbolic form that he comes up with after the encounter. That's the whole point of the dream. Whereas yeah. I think later he would say, I think that the point is to have that encounter and then the symbolic whatever retreat from it is just a way to like set up the encounter to happen again. Right. Like I think Mm -hmm. that's the whole, like you could almost say the whole shift between symbolic and real is right in that, in that, that little dynamic. That's pretty fascinating. Like it's, uh, I love it in, 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 in the reading and reading it through the, um, later understanding of the real, it's, it's, it's great. Like he, um, it's, it's, it's really great. It's not that, you know, it's not that he's, thought he's stupid that he doesn't recognize what he's saying right like like it would be um the questions for teacher right like some questions for teacher like like he you would have to be uh, i don't know maybe maybe there would have to be a meta language right like there would have to be you'd have to have a meta self like a self outside yourself to be like ah pantelis 
actually, even though I didn't use the words, I'm saying it here. Like, like you would really, really have to be outside of your room. Yeah, you, like I don't theorizing. think anybody would be capable of that. Right? No, it's it's too it's too great. But this, but that's but that's great. And then because I think I directed people to these pages and then didn't pay that off, I just want to give a couple lines. Yeah, on, yeah, please do on, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in the desire, life, and death uh, section, uh, two thirty two and two thirty three, um, and he says, uh, "This is uh, okay." So he's talking about. Um, uh, beyond the pleasure principle here. And he says, that is where Freud's lengthy text leads us, where he tells us, don't believe that life is an exalting goddess who has arisen to culminate in that most beautiful of forms, that there is the slightest power of achievement and progress in life. Life is a blister, a mold characterized as others besides Freud have written by nothing beyond its aptitude for death. That, and then this is the, this is the line that I wanted to get to. So I wanted to, context but even that was great like yeah. life is a blister that's from yeah phenomenal um just like you know rimbo uh yeah. arthur not uh not a john uh, not john yeah, yeah um yeah. that is what life is a detour a dogged detour in itself transitory and precarious and deprived of any significance um that just really uh, that's that's great at the end of that line too so that, that that is that is where the freudian dialectic leads us and then um he says this, like, you know, up to a certain point, Freudian theory may seem to explain everything, including what's related to death, within the framework of a closed libidinal economy regulated by the pleasure principle and a return to equilibrium involving specific relations between objects. And then, again, I'm setting this up for lines later. Uh, the rest of that paragraph, excellent, but also, and then the ne uh, next paragraph, the significance of the beyond the pleasure principle is that, um, sorry, is that isn't enough, what he refers to at the end of the uh paragraph masochism is not inverted sadism the which is a point he will return to seminar 10 right right absolutely right <laughs> um so um masochism is not inverted sadism the phenomenon of aggressivity isn't to be explained simply on the level of imaginary identification what freud's primary masochism and this is a, a that's a phrase that i think you want to hear as a swap for death drive uh what freud's primary masochism teaches us is that when life has been dispossessed of its speech, its final word can only be the final malediction expressed at the end of Oedipus at Colonus, which he talks about a lot throughout this section. Life doesn't want to be healed. The negative therapeutic reaction is fundamental to it. Again, drive. Uh, anyway, what is healing? The realization of the subject through speech, which comes from elsewhere, traversing it. This life we're capable of, this essentially alienated life existing, he puts a dash in that word, this life in the other is as such joined to death. It always returns to death and it is only drawn into increasingly large and more roundabout circuits by what Freud calls the elements of the uh, external world. Uh, and I, it just, I just think this is, it's just very beautiful on the death drive, like at the, just at the level of like linguistic appearance. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's really <laughs> great. And it, you know, it's interesting because he really, you know, this, this notion that, that, and he, he, he comes up with a couple examples. So Oedipus at Colonus is the, is a key example because Oedipus is there at the end of his symbolic destiny, right? He, mm -hmm. he, he has to, his eyes are poked out. He's just, he's just a kind of living dead man. And then the other example he comes is this post story, the, the, the story about Monsieur Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and again, that's a guy who's like, who's, already dead and yet is still able to speak. And so I think that's, that's how he's, 
So he's almost getting to the death drive of of uh, of seminar seven, I think, in some way. Because and then the, you know this notion mm, yeah. of when he says like what you do at the end of psychoanalysis is eat your Dasein, right? Like that's yeah. that's at the yeah. end of his uh, uh, the Perlin Poe discussion, right? Like the mm-hmm. that the that the point is that you you no longer that you're you don't have an external relationship to your symbolic destiny. I think that's yeah. what he's really mm-hmm. getting at, and that's the, the and, and for him here that means a move from imaginary to symbolic. Like that's so I'm I'm fully taking up my symbolic destiny. And I think it's interesting because when I first read the seminar, I'm like, well, here Lacan is more conformist. And later mm-hmm. when he introduces the real, he's a little more rat or he's a lot more radical. But I think the way that he understands taking up your symbolic destiny, it's a hell of a lot like mm. taking up the, your position in the real, right? Like it's not, it's not really that much different because, you know, like, like the, the, the notion of like, eat your Dasein Mm -hmm. at the end of seminar seven, he says, what, you know, what you choose doesn't really matter. The question is just, who are you once you've eaten the book? So Mm -hmm. it's a similar, it's a very similar kind of position. You know, I don't, I, I just think it's like, he's just putting it in terms here of the symbolic and then later he'll put it in terms of the real. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's important to, I think it's important to read back and like, and you can see the, you can see the seeds of it and and you can see the, uh, again, it's not just like, it's not just this teleological progression because it can seem that way. And I think like sometimes unintentionally, uh, you know, some, because some, I think a general schema for, for reading Lacan, uh, that's, I don't know, even endorsed by, you know, people, people we read, people we like friends of ours is that right. He has this development from imaginary symbolic to real, to real. And it right. seems like that seems like a, a teleological progression, but it's, it's not, you know, it's, right. it's like, it's right. very much, um, well, there are all these, like these circuitous, uh, you know, movements within and, and, and what we're trying to find as we go back is like where the, where are the quilting points, Todd? Like, where where can we where can right. we quilt this right. this nascent understanding of something that he'll later, you know, uh, put a, a different signifier to? Like, well, isn't again, it what yeah. isn't what's interesting though that the same way that this uh, film studies conception of Lacan uh, totally wrong that took it from that said you start out in the mirror stage, yeah. then you go to the symbolic, and then mm-hmm. you go to the real. So a very mm-hmm. chronological description yeah. of the subject's trajectory the same the same order is used to describe Lacan's own trajectory yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's a really yeah. weird kind of thing the way in which the misunderstanding of the I don't think it's a misunderstanding in terms of Lacan totally because I think there is something to that mm-hmm. but 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 it's just funny that they kind of overlap in that way yeah um well I mean I guess it's it's um what ends up happening is it's, it's again, it's a, it's reductive. And I, and I think it ends up being where like, well, you know, we talked about this when we did, um, uh, real symbolic imaginaries that like the, the real often just like kind of plays the hero. Right. And, right, uh, right. and, and I, and I think that, that it could be part of the reason why is that like, again, it's like, it's the, it's the, it's the last in the three and, the, and even Lacan is done with the imaginary, you know, so like, so yeah, that's true. Some, some of it even comes from him, I think. Right. Although, you know, I think in a certain, I do want to say that, that um, Tracy McNulty wrote a really good book called Wrestling with the Angel, which is an attempt to sort of assert the pri- the importance of the symbolic relative to the real in the face mm. of what so many people 
have done in the other direction. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. But then, but don't you think that all this all this thing with knots at the end of his life is an attempt to like recapture the importance of all three orders together? Because the whole point of the Bromian knot is that you can't have like you pull away one string and the whole knot collapses. So yeah. So it you know it's like the the, the three are all integral to be to the to the to the whole of the. I mean, not whole, but the the, mm-hmm. the the makeup of of subjectivity, right? Like that's his. I think that in a way he's sort of sensing the problem when he goes to the to the knots. Although I I I, I find that a very lamentable turn. I have to say. <laughs> you know, it's just really funny. Just a little bit behind the curtain. Um, I suggested to Todd uh, that maybe for our second episode we should do uh on a second episode in the in the seminar series we should go all the way to the end and do it like an onion like i don't know cloud atlas or something like that so we do one then 23 then two and then whatever the i think is anything between 20 and 23 translated english uh no no. I guess 20, 20 would be the next one because 21 is the non-duper but which is important obviously but it's Mm. but it's not well Anyway, it's just really funny that like, well, we've like, we just thought like that. No, that's too confusing and it's being tricksy, but it's found its way into this podcast. So I'm, it did. Like, I'm actually, it did. I'm actually yes, quite happy we... about that. Um, what I, uh, so yeah, I know, uh, maybe that, that leaves off <laughs> you at a point where you're, you're saying this. I, I think people, people like, um, maybe there, there's something together that like there, there is something a little, um, the real seems kind of freeing. And maybe that is the, that's what Lacan's trying to do. I, I understand, like, with the Bromian knot, is he's trying to find this, like, through this structure, trying to find another, like, like a way out, which is, I, I don't know. It, it, like, I think that maybe seems to be what he thinks he's doing, and that's... I, I think, I think what, that's what, right. Yeah, I think, and, and totally I, I think right. that yeah. I think that's what people find really in, interesting about that. Um, do people... Uh, yeah, I think people like that seminar a lot. I think, I think, um, oh, seminar 23, 23. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, but not after that. It's kind of, well, I mean, I mean, the knots go, he goes crazy with the knots in the later. <laughs> I mean, like, even you weren't crazy enough to say, let's begin with, but I guess it's not in English, right? Like, <laughs> no, it's 25 not, it's or 20. Yeah. yeah, even I wasn't crazy enough. I like that a lot. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Uh, so okay, um, let's <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Perline Letter and the and the odds and evens. Um, because this is huge. Um, and I, I feel like it's just, it's so, it's just so much to talk about and we've already been talking for like almost an hour. So I think it makes sense to start at the end. And the end is the, the point is that, um, the letter always arrives at its destination. Right. Okay. So what, and this is huge. So what, um, I, I don't know. Like, like do, do we? Do you want to do? Do you want to do what, what Lacan means, and then the controversy, or do you want to do the controversy and then go back to what Lacan means? How do you want to play this? Uh, I think we can do what he means first, right? Okay. Like, I mean, isn't his point? It's it's such a simple one. I think that I well, I think there's a couple different things that he means. And Slavoj has, <laughs> as he's wont to do, has said <laughs> there's an imaginary meaning, there's a real meaning, you know, <laughs> whatever, right, he's, right. whatever he's done. But but I think the, the number one meaning is one of Nactruglikite, right? Like yeah. that, mm-hmm. that that the the letter always arrives as destination because whoever gets it was the one destined to get it. So, yeah. so right, that's right, why right. 
Derrida's point that the letter can always not arrive at its destination is not just simple, it's just simply wrong because the whole point, I mean, I think that's the main Well, way. he reads it, he reads destiny as predestined and right. what and right. what Lacan, I mean, like, this is the thing, like, what Lacan means is, I, I don't know, I think I would, it maybe is best put as, like, it's a contingent destiny. Like, whoever gets it, like, it's like, oh, that that had to be the way that it was. And right. so then you, I mean, this is where quilting point becomes a necessary idea is that like you just imagined you, you're like, you had to be the recipient and you, you quilt the fabric of how you ended up with this thing. Right. Exactly. And, or, and or, other, or, or just but, what meaning was in the first place or, or, right. or, or yeah, right. ultimately. Yeah. Right. Right. And then the other, the other reading, which I think is, is, is something I'm not sure that later he would accept mm-hmm. is that your structural position determines what you're capable of doing. So that in that mm-hmm. sense, like the letter arrives, it's, so it arrives at a certain structural position, regardless of the personality involved of the subject at that position. So I think that, you know, the fact that he calls the section on odds and evens beyond, I'm sorry, it's Malaire that call, I always fall for that stupid thing. <laughs> um, but it's called beyond intersubjectivity. But I think Lacan's whole point in the structural analysis is a, it's a dig like in mirror stage essay, a dig at Sartre yeah. for his conception of, of inner subjectivity. And he, it's a very much a structuralist sense of you you occupy a certain structural position. That's where, that's where the letter's going. It doesn't matter if you're a nice guy, mean person, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the structural position that you occupy. Like he, he talks about the police, they can't find the letter not because they're stupid. Yeah, do a brief description. I just realized. Just could you do a brief description of what happens in the Perlin letter? Okay, just so to, the Perlin yeah. letter is it's interesting because Poe doesn't name the people, but we assume it's a queen, a king, and a minister. But the yep. minister, I think, is named, but the king and queen are just a female royal personage and a mm-hmm. right. So so a, a, a queen has a letter laying out that's incriminating. I think it's all it says, but the, the I think the idea is that it's from a lover. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and this evil minister happens to be in the room with her and the king, and he sees the letter laying out on the desk. The king doesn't notice it because it's hidden in plain sight. Mm-hmm. The minister steals it, and the queen can't do anything about it because if she did, that would draw attention to the existence of the letter, which would right. be, which would doom her. So then, the minister hire the the queen hires asks the prefect of police to help her out, but the prefect of police, because he's part of the police, can't, they search this minister's apartment, they can't find it, they, like, take apart his bed, they do all this stuff, they look so this everywhere. Is, I just want to interrupt you, this is, like, it, like Edgar Allan Poe, it's his fault where if you ever watch any detective show, movie, the police are just incompetent. And they cannot do anything. I think it's Poe's fault. Um, no, it's but but I think that's an anti-Lacanian. Like Lacan's point is, the police are incompetent because of their structural position. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, right? right, right. They're not. Yeah, I think that that's true. The the uh, yeah yeah no that's yeah. true. Anyway, please please continue. Anyway, yeah, I, I like I like blaming Poe though because you know <laughs> he was a terrible racist. Um, is that too? Yeah. Just you know, totally beside the point. But anyway, so so and then and then. And then, so the, and then, so the police can't find it. They're buffoons. They they look. They 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 even saw apart the bed posts and try to, and they can't find it. Right. Uh, and then and then the minister goes in and he finds that it's actually hidden. It's like it's. I think it's. Is it posted? It's like taped to the. To the he mantle? put it. Yeah, I think that there. 
there's a it's it's in an, an older letter. Like he puts it in, in another. But it's envelope. it's right out in the open. That's the right point. out in the open. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the minister sees it, and he's sorry. Sorry, Dupin sees it, and 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 the minister is unable to stop him from taking it because the prefect of police is along with him, so he would expose right. that he would have it. Right. Um, so so Dupin is able to take it and gives it back to the queen. So so the point is that the minister is put in the symbolic position of the police. That is, he can't he can't do or sorry the symbolic position of the queen mm-hmm, once mm-hmm. he gets the letter and right. and he and then he's 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 powerless he's put in this powerless position so right. so lacan links the signifier to powerlessness but his main point is that the the your relationship to the letter mm-hmm. is in the story is what enables you to do what you do right, right. Mm-hmm. and the, yeah, the yeah. analyst i think the analyst is equated with dupin right like that's the big yes. point of it I think that's exactly right. True. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also, um, you know, it's funny. I just, I, I meant this, I, I said right and true at the same time. And I think I said trite, which is very funny. <laughs> that's exactly well, that's what trite. you really meant. Yeah, that's, that's what I really good. meant. Yeah, yeah. That's very funny. Um, the, and the point here too, with, uh, with, you know, Dup- I know I, I always think about like, I don't know any of these like British mysteries, like father Brown or, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. even like, like, you know, the, the, again, the police, they can do nothing. And they're just like, Oh, you think you can do. And obviously that like, he's able to solve the, the thing right. because he's outside of like, there, there is, it's, I, I do think that it's similar, right? It's he's being outside of the police, uh, the Structure. psychological space of the, of yeah. being a police is what enables someone to solve the, uh, solve the thing. So I think there's right. that. Um, yes. Dupin Lacan is making this uh, uh, analogy of, of being in the position of being a, um, of an analyst, and 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 one of the the crucial crucial things that Lacan maintains, and so does Dupin, is that no one has read the letter. Right. Like like the it's and and this is really really important. It's contents. It's it, and and he's at pains to, to this is that the uh, the minister, the unscrupulous minister, does has not read it. And right. it's like, there's no, and, and he deduces there's just no way because it's probably, I mean, I think this is the, this is the, the thing is that it's probably again, at the level of the line at the, at the, at the level of, of literal signification, it's actually probably not that incriminating. It's just that it exists. It's the form of the letter, not the content. Ex- exactly. And right. that's now, the, so really, I, I want to really say nice something point. about that, about because uh, yeah. and, and the minister, right? So, mm-hmm. it, so a couple things though. It's interesting that that's the source of Derrida's critique of Lacan, that, that he understands the way in which the form of the letter and not the content is important. But then mm-hmm. when he analyzes the story, he analyzes the content of Poe's story yeah, and yeah. not the form. It's a pretty mm-hmm. good, I think Derrida's essay is basically terrible, but I think that's a pretty <laughs> good point. It's a pretty good yeah. point because there, Lacan does not engage in any formal analysis of the yeah. Of the of of, of Poe's writing, right? He just doesn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and Der- and Derrida's main claim in, in his in his retort is that like what what Lacan does not do is interrogate. He he lays out that there are two scenes which are structurally aligned, and that's the scene where the the le- two scenes where the letter is taken. Yeah. And um, you know, once by the minister, and then once by Dupont, and you laid that out uh, really nicely. Uh, so like, who's in what different position? Um, and what for Derrida, Lacan's uh, deficit is in not troubling the narrator uh, right. at all. So like the, and, and that this, this is his, his critique. 
And uh, is that I, I think he he well, uh, no, I, I know this. He he doesn't think that uh, psychoanalysis troubles the position of the analyst. That's and what he thinks and this is what he gets at in this response is that um, it's the frame of psychoanalysis that determines what it finds. And, and that, and he's saying this in, in the beginning of this essay that's collected in the Perlian Poe, but I think it's probably available elsewhere. Is that like, no, it's in, it's in, it's in a book of his, La carte postal. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's very nice. So yeah. the, and, and you can read this, it's right and right in the beginning that like the, he sees the analytic session like itself as this un interrogate like untheorized sorry box. i just said that in french it's the postcard maybe that is evident from oh, the card postal. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that i thought you said that because even in english that was the title but that's uh no no it's it's translated yeah sorry okay so, very sorry. nice so yeah yeah no so there's just that, like so the the psychoanalysis like the, the the clinic is this box it just it only finds its own previously agreed upon conclusions and that's right. what he thinks lacan is affecting in not troubling or like the role of the narrator in this is that like he doesn't see his own role as an as an analyst even though uh, what Lacan is like trying to talk about the entire time is like Dupont as analyst and and the role that analysts should be in um and so so he lacks a kind of self-interrogation I think is basically Derrida's point right but but it's in the odds and evens Sec, like the, what's before this? Can we just can we hold? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, finish your point. And then I'll. So yeah, just the point. Like, yeah. So well, or do you want me to hold off on that? Well, or? I yeah, because I do. I think we should okay. give a lot of time to or some time to odds and evens. I want to say one last thing about yeah, the yeah, end ahead. that okay. connect to connect with what you were saying about the the content of the letter not mattering and the mm-hmm. minister mm-hmm. never reading it right, and then that leads Lacan to his point that which I think is really. Which is in in certain way the crucial point about that the, the, the way it ends, right? Like then mm-hmm. that if he says if the minister, you know, so so depend like switches the the letter, and so he puts this other letter that that he from him saying, "Oh, I got you," right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then and then his, I, I think he even says um, if he opens the letter, these are the lines that'll that he goes a a a, a, a plot so so unscrupulous i guess that it that it's 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 not it's not if if it's not deni uh what would that be um if it's not worthy of of atreus it's it's worthy of of theestes right and so mm-hmm. and this is a, a, a this is an allusion to theestes for being forced to eat his own children and then <laughs> or served up right his own mm-hmm. children and then he ate them and so and the and the the point is that that th- what this is what would happen to the minister if he ever tried to use the letter right like he right. would be in this and i think isn't lacan saying that this is actually the position that analysis brings the subject to and so yeah. And if if that's what it means to follow your symbolic destiny that seems really close to have an encounter with the real, right? Like that's oh, that's interesting. No, you know, I like, like I, I really feel like it's, you know, when he says this is, you know, he says eat your dasein. That is the Estes dish par excellence. Like I think that's, I don't know. It seems really. I think there's a way you could read this seminar as just, you know, Lacan isn't really changing much at all. Like other than the terms, like his basic idea is you got to get to this position. You got to get to this position. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds mm-hmm. like symbolic suicide to me, I guess is what I'm saying or, or death drive in any, even in the more advanced understanding. That's interesting. I mean, so it's even, uh, stronger 
the I think the, the later understandings here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's really that's really nice. I mean, I think um, it's you know the and even in like. I don't know what, so Derrida, I, th- I think in the essay or somewhere else where he, what he claims to have read is the, um, and I believe that he read all of the, what was available as the, as the Acree whenever it was out. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, um, I guess I would say this. I don't think he m- misread so much as like, it's possible he literally didn't read. Just like, didn't have access he, to it. He just didn't have access to right. this because right. it's in, it's in the, it's in the Otter even section which is uh, not a part of what's in uh, the Cree, where, I mean, he, like, um, Lacan literally uses the word uh, noctroclic, uh, as as Freud calls it. That's on 185 of your copy of Seminar 2. Uh, anyone's, uh, I think, copy, at least of the recent Norton uh, reprint. Uh, we have a retroactive effect uh, specific to the structure of symbolic memory uh, in other words, to function, uh, to, to the function of me- uh, remembering, but like the, this, the the idea of retroactivity here is like so. It's so crucial. It's so endemic. It's like it's right from the beginning of him explaining the whole thing. And that you know, as you said, kind of at the beginning of this, like Derrida reads Lacan and he sees a Lacan who is talking about a telos of signification, and Derrida's whole thing is that this is this is impossible. Like we don't like signifiers don't move this way. Although he does, I got to try to find it. Um, in, uh, in the Pearl and Poe, he he says something that is in his own words, very, very close to, uh, the signifier. It uh, represents the subject for another signifier. And I just think it's very funny that like he thinks he's very close from Lacan's position. But uh, anyway, um, well, a lot of it is personal, right? Like that, I think that we shouldn't underestimate that. Yeah. Okay. That's you nice. know, because you know, like Lacan wanted Derrida to be his. He wanted. He wanted. He had this fantasy about everybody, about Deleuze too, about being his philosopher, like the person mm. that would translate his psychoanalytic thinking into philosophical a philosophical system and Derrida said no and then and then Derrida told Lacan a dream that he had and then Lacan like blabbed it out in his seminar um, like it was a I don't private, think I knew this yeah yeah so you know it's not Lacan's behavior is usually terrible so, so <laughs> you know uh, that's super funny um well, okay, I don't think I can. I don't think I can find it, but it doesn't. It's it's not, that's not really neither here nor there about this. Um, so again, Derrida's charge, and I and I, you can see this. This is about his like whole like his whole uh, project is that what Lacan is arguing, and it's very clear in the odds and evens. Well, very clear in the odds and evens section is that the uh, form itself is an internally manifesting object. Right. I think I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so Derrida sees pure difference. And what Lacan sees in the, I'll put it this way. Sorry. Derrida sees pure difference in the play of signification. What Lacan sees in signification is the emergence of form. And that's, that's the difference. And I think because Derrida was not able to read that, I think that this section I, he doesn't really have a, a a claim on that, but like because his what he 
is adamant about is that like, look, there are possibilities that Lacan doesn't allow for. There are possibilities that psychoanalysis doesn't allow for because it puts itself in the clinic. And how couldn't it possibly think it has this, uh, this, this line on truth? The only way it can do that is it puts itself in a structure that it doesn't interrogate. That's uh, to me that that's like the, the yeah, I think you're right. I think that's right. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because you can kind of see, even though it's, it was grotesque and wrong and horrible, why Americans coined this term post-structuralism <laughs> to describe... Do, do a Derry- couple minutes on this, please. I, I was thinking about this, that this would be our backdoor uh, post-structuralism does not exist episode. Yeah, I mean, what would the episode would just be me going on a diatribe against ever <laughs> using that term? And that's how long would that last? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I feel like, but you can kind of see it, right? Because mm-hmm. although Lacan got crazily associated with post-structuralism too, so <laughs> who knows what the hell people were thinking. But, but the notion that signification is the reign of pure difference, mm-hmm. which I think is also the Deleuzian critique of mm-hmm. Lacan as well. So you can see how that represents a move out of structure, right? So if that, yeah. if out of structure mm-hmm. gets used as post, but then the problem is the people that get grouped in this thing also include Foucault, who is all about the structure. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. And then of course, Lacan too, who has nothing to do with that and, and even preserves and makes the ground of his thinking subjectivity and the whole point, I think, of post-structuralists is that we're beyond, we're post-subject. So, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it was a crazy, crazy idea. I think almost as, almost equaled by the horrible term postmodern, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the term that also signifies absolutely nothing. But, I mean, just the, I mean, post-structuralism is an American invention of grouping together these French thinkers that didn't see them that's often saw themselves at odds with each other. So it's yeah. really, I mean, that to me, well, it's, it does. I think it does. It has two effects is one. It kind of flattens and subordinates everyone's thinking to everybody else's. Right. And, and I think because of that, there's a lot of, I mean, you can see this in like more, more recent, like more contemporary writings that you can see folks gravitating to all of them and just kind of picking what they like from each person. And, I think that's, I've written that way. Like I've like, I'm put my hand up as, as a person who's done this, but I think, um, the, I feel like the more that you, you study this, it's like the more, I, I think that it's, 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 I don't know. It's more generative to be strict. Like you, you pay yeah, better you, fidelity well, just, to these, to, yeah, to these people I just don't to, think to go through. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't like, I just don't think you can cite like in, in, in a kind of totally approving way. In one paragraph, Lacan, and then the next paragraph, Deleuze. Like, sorry, you just got to yeah. choose. Like, their whole way of thinking is at odds with each other. So, well, and and just to yeah. inter- to interject, like, I think this the Perline letter, like, like it's a in this this section in, in seminar two is a really nice. How do like how are you going to divide um, Lacan, Deleuze, and Derrida all grouped together under post? structuralism all disagreeing about this one thing and what and it's really interesting what Deleuze accepts so in the um I, I just want to be really brief on this because of how, how long we've gone on this but yeah. like um Deleuze in uh, Logic of Sense in the effectively the sixth chapter but it's this it's it's on um 
it's on depending on the translation it's, he's either writing about serialization or seriation or like people talk about it in, in different ways and he is similar to Lacan uh, talking about uh, a, a, a you know, the play of, of, of signifiers and like the relationship between signifier and signified and, and like, and symbolic structure. And he buys a hundred percent Lacan's like, oh, the, in my reading, like I, 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 and I haven't read anything that kind of, yeah, I think you're right. He, he you departs do. from, he departs from, yeah, it very clearly he departs from Lacan, but he buys completely this idea and it's in the, the odds and evens. And just, to, I feel like we've been saying this and then maybe not explaining it, but what, yeah, Lacan let's explain does, it really quick. Yeah. Because it's hard, as we mentioned, I think in other podcasts, um, it really needs to be seen visually. It's very difficult. Uh, Bruce Fink did uh, yeoman's work explaining it in the Lacanian subject. And I'm going to kind of like crib from him to try to make this possible to, to be heard. And, and, um, and I, and I think it's possible that the less, detail on this as an audio document maybe it's better it's it's better yeah Yeah. so what Lacan so I'll just tell you what happens what Lacan does in the kind of the prelude to him uh talking about the the Perline letter um itself is there's a section in the Perline letter where Dupont observes a boy who is plays a game of odds and evens uh where and odds and evens are you have two two people put uh, their hands behind their back and they put up however many fingers they want, and one of the person has to guess odds or evens, and then you put your you reveal how many fingers you put up, and then the other person reveals how many they put up, and then you'll you see who won. Okay, and what Dupont talks about is he observed a child who always got this right, right, who got it right the entire time, and Lacan. And this is why I think that the Malaire um, titling of Beyond Intersubjectivity is like it's really quite good. Is what Lacan wants to show is that the boy is just reading the other person, right? He and 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 that and or he's he, identifying with them, right? He's yeah, that yeah, that's I think that's uh, that's put really well, and and yeah. so he knows what they're gonna do, and 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 so it's not like it's not magic. He's not cheating. It's it's just he's he's reading the other he's reading the other person's desire. How's that? Not only that, but remember, no, I think it's an I don't think it's reading their desire, Ryan, because remember what he says. Like this is on one eighty. He says, mm. "I uh, when I wish to find out how wise or how stupid or how good or how wicked one is, or what our thoughts is, or his thoughts are at the moment, I fashion the expression of my face as accurately as possible in accordance with the expression of his, and then wait to see what thoughts or sentiments arise in my mind or heart." as if to match or correspond with the expression. So Lacan loves this because it's completely an imaginary identification. I see. Yeah, no, no, right? no, that's, that's, that's right? a nice, that's and a nice then, yeah, yeah. But then he says the, the, the next step, the symbolic step, is to read the desire, I think, of, okay. Okay. of the person. I, right? So Isn't I, that? I, I skipped yeah. a step. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that's right. And, uh, that's how he gets it right. Now, the thing that Lacan wants to make clear is that, like, that is not doing analysis. Right. That's right. not psychoanalysis. He wants to be really, really clear about this. It's that it's not just this intersubjective thing where, like, I'm, you know, where you 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 try to... Um, you try to find the way to, like, agree with the person, right? Right. Like, you, you read them... 
and uh, and offer like the path of least resistance. Okay, where you don't where you know, and or you're reading at this like this utterly surface, this imaginary level, right? You're that that is not to be done, right? Um, and so why why he goes so what he does though is he says that psycho psychoanalysis is is onto something else it's onto something that is that is beyond the intersubjective situation and this would be the ready-made retort to what derrida says um of that psychoanalysis doesn't interrogate its own framing and like what lacan is arguing and i think quite convincingly is that like no it's just it's it's in this situation, the, the, the frame develops of its own accord. And so right. he wants to show, and so he shows this through uh, chance relations. And it's, and so he has this idea of flipping a coin. Okay. And that even in the random chance, like if you let, have a string of coin flips, what will happen is an order will develop that will generate at once possibility and impossibility. And the most important part is that it generates an impossibility. And Bruce Frink's really good at this is that like, if you look at like a string, when you look at a string of coin tosses and you try to group them and it's it, cause it's just heads or tails, uh, you'll come up with, and so he does this and maybe someone could argue that like, well, he decides the frame, this maybe would be the Derridian thing is that he decides the frame. So he decides what he finds. Like but how I many think, to group together, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so what Fink does is that like, if, if pluses are, are, I, I, it doesn't matter. I forget what he does. I think pluses are tails and, and minuses is, is heads or if it doesn't matter if he has, or maybe it's the other way around, but you have three, you have three different kinds. You can, you can have a group of two of two pluses. Okay. Like, you know, whatever, two heads, you can have, um, a heads and then a tails, which is a plus and a minus, and you can have a tails and then a heads, which is a minus and a plus. And then you can have two tails or just the opposite, which is minus minus. And, and you, la- you layer these out as one, two, three. And just in doing this, um, there it's impossible for a three to follow a one. Right. That's just, and right. this is what, this is what, because you can't have two minus uh, flow from uh, like two, two pluses like, like that, that doesn't work. You can, uh, you can then, but, and, and again, I, I'm sorry to everyone doing this, that I'm doing this. It's hard to hear. I think it's hard to keeping your head straight. It's hard for me, and I kind of have the thing up in front of me, and so I'm trying yeah, to translate yeah. it as, yeah. as, as, yeah, as yeah. something to, but to Bruce understand. is really good with it. He's I really think. good on it. Yeah. yeah, he's excellent on it. And but the if if the if my uh, recapitulation of of what Fink talks about and of what Lacan talks about isn't working, just like the point is that like in this chance relationship, there uh, becomes an impossibility. And I had a like I had a really great student actually this past semester who. Um, was really taken by this idea and he's like a math uh, genius and he told and he asked me if I knew about um, fractals and this thing called the Mandelbrot set and which is like uh, of course you uh, know about that of course I know no I had no <laughs> idea about it um, and the, the and what it visualizes is a formula and what is fascinating about how this like the 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 visualiza- visualization of this mathematical formula is that it is something that is self-similar but not self-identical and it's like kind of purely by accident like it looks the same if you at a at a certain level of of of, of a like a 2D visualization but 
the more you go into it, the, the, it, it just generates these differences that create like differences that could not have been accounted for ahead of time. And that's kind of Lacan's whole point is, 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 is in, is in the realm of that, that when we do, even within chance relations, we do not and and chance and, and repetition, we get self similar. We don't get self identical. Right. And we generate impossibility. Like at the same moment that we, you know, you put two sides on a coin, the same and, and they're different you've generated possibility. You have also, if you play the string out long enough, you've generated an impossibility, a rule that is inviolable that did not exist before. Isn't it and, interesting that yeah. he doesn't focus on the real here? Like it's, he doesn't yeah, focus I mean, about this is on the why impossibility. I, do, I think, yeah, right. this is why, yeah, it, because it's right there. I mean, this is, I right. think it's why. of course right there, but he doesn't mm-hmm. really, he, he, I don't even think he says the word impossibility. No, I don't think so. I think I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm putting that yeah. there because I it's, because I think it's it's uh, this is as I've said on this podcast before. This is where like I I read Lacan as the structuralist of the real, and that's another reason why it's not appropriate to think of him as a post structuralist because what he's like, especially in the seminar, is he wants to, to he wants to get at the innards of the symbolic situation, and I I think that's the and and and. It is. It seems crazy that he doesn't talk about the real in this example because it's right. just right there crazy. as this, as this again, as this structuring impossibility. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 there, and I and that to me, I think that answers uh, Derrida's critique, and I, and it also, um, I, I started talking about Deleuze and didn't like he, so Deleuze buys this this uh, this framing about uh, that I think he's quite convinced by what Lacan lays out, and what he wants to try to do is he wants to figure out a way out of the series. And right. this is he, right. and we don't have necessarily time for this, but uh, the, the, this is, he comes up with this idea of the phantasm as this way of generating novelty within, uh, within serialization. Right. And but of course, Lacan's whole point is that the, I think later his point will be that the serialization itself is what's generative of novelty. Yes. Yeah. 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 A, yeah ab- absolutely. I think that that's, yeah. I think that's right on. So it's, um, yeah, it's just it's it's uh, there's just so there's so much in it. Like it's it's one of these things that um, uh, you know, I said <laughs> I said this before we started that I think the things that Lacan doesn't ever talk about again are you can maybe say are like those are the those are the those are the the the, the quote real ideas or maybe true ideas. I don't want to be uh, uh get confusing with language, but like I, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't talk about odds and evens. Like, like no, this, he doesn't. You know, yeah. he, and 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 he he will later. The only other I just find it so fascinating. Like the only other reference to um, he talk he will use the word series, but not in this kind of way. But in Summer Twenty, he talks about the um, uh, the 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 le serial as um as Fink translates it is it can is can only be the series real, right, um, right, right, and that that I find very tempting. So like he much later. I, I I would argue he right. he finds the, the he finds the real in in the logic of the series, um, and that I think is uh, I, I think is really crucial. And to me, I I think it's um, partially because of availability and access of uh, of, of the text, but I, I don't think that Deleuze and and Derrida and their responses uh, account for it. Or what they end up arguing for is I think already in like Lacan's idea. So I so I, I don't know how. I don't know how f- maybe far away they are. Um, right. You know, it's just that like, and, and of course like 
you know, you can even you can even see if, if you read the like Deleuze, uh, Derrida and Deleuze's um, kind of accounts of this at the same time, you can you can look you can see the seeds of this anti Oedipus push against the clinic because it's it's really I mean as we talked about in the in our in our in our Deleuze triptych um, that like it really was it was a uh, like the the clinic and analysis itself that they pushed about pushed back against because they wanted to have some idea of the theory which is why they you know they articulate a notion of schizoanalysis but it's like um, it's it's this I think this reading of the clinic as a confined space that only ever uncovers what has already been uncovered that they are push ba- pushing back against. Right, right. And I almost want to say a little, like, I, like it's not, this isn't, this doesn't float because Lacan writes, or sorry, he, he, he does, does these lectures in 55 and he has a notion of the big other, uh, the, the, the analyst as big other that, right. right. We didn't talk about that, but it's really crucial that here analysts is big other and later it will be Abjaya. Yeah. And, and so it's not, I don't think it underwrites the pushback that Deleuze and Guattari, because it's like 19 years later or whatever that they, that they do their thing. And I don't, and I just, and they just, the intellectual environment of like, they will, they will have known of what Lacan was doing. And so they, I mean, again, an anti-Oedipus, as we talked about in that episode, like they're literally pushing, there's like three named psychoanalysts that they're like kind of pushing their thing against and they find the whole thing fascistic, but you can kind of see it. You can kind right. of see that, that reading if you think uh, analyst is big other. Right. I think that's right. And you know, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Like his, his notion that, that the, the, the real problem here is the subject caught thinking of itself as an ego. Mm-hmm. And then the task of the analyst by, by identifying not as an alter ego, but as the big other, mm-hmm. the analyst lifts the subject from ego to subject, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the whole, I think that's the whole gambit. And it's interesting how that then puts you into death drive. Like he, 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 he ends with death drive. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like he says, he says, the symbolic order tends beyond the pleasure principle. What? Beyond the <laughs> limits of life. And that is why Freud identifies it with the death instinct. So, mm-hmm. so that's really weird, isn't it? Like that, that, that he, he, he comes to this, to thinking of, of symbolic order with, with death drive. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, and it's clear, it's clear that the symbolic will have to, it's, it's, I mean, this is the thing, right? The, I, you can see why then the real occupies that territory because either his idea of the symbolic will have to change or, he'll have to rearticulate the way that, that he's, that he's thinking about real. Right. And that's where he goes because that's right. it, it, because it's just not like, yeah, some, some, yeah. So that, that's, we started with, with this, right. That like he, he sees death drive as structuring of, of the, of the symbolic and it's, then it will be both, both later developments, uh, both in, in seven as a, like of drive being, uh, like a move toward the symbolic suicide and then the like this repetition triggered by the real like it's both so it's it's structuring and then it becomes rupturing right the, right exactly so the big, yeah, yeah exactly so structuring of the symbolic in two and then rupturing of the symbolic uh throughout like f- f- uh, forever after basically starting with seven yeah i think that's really good i think it's really good 
<sighs> okay. Oh, that's, oh, a lot of work. That's our, yeah. That's yeah. Lot, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? And we didn't, I mean, we certainly didn't touch everything. I mean, that's like, that's the thing about these, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're so, it's a very rich. I mean, it, it's incredibly yeah. rich. Yeah. My, my lesson is, a, is, a, is, is, is I was trying to think of the best structured film like this, oh, you know? Okay. And I, I was thinking that, do you know this film, Motherless Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a. It's like one of these kind of like it's 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 2018 or 29. It's like a real masterpiece, I think. By it was Edward Norton's directorial debut, based and, on a novel written by uh, my office neighbor Jonathan Lethem at Pomona College. Really? Yes, really. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um. Anyway, so I, I I think that's really a film about. It's a it's a critique of racism, but in, and and sort of the way that gets infected infects the city's dynamics. But mm-hmm. but it's a, it's all about the different structural positions that people occupy, and then what's possible for them because of that. So that's my fantastic, awesome my lesson. Okay, okay, Ryan. <laughs> all right, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.